Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. I am so excited to be here today with Jonathan Acott. Jonathan, how are you doing? I am very well. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. So we all here at Accent, would you please tell everyone where you are located right now? I am just outside London, a little town called Epsom in Surrey in England. Is that where you're from? It is. I, I'm, all, I'm from all over England. Uh, but yeah, this, is, this has been home now for the last 10 years. Nice. Okay. Well, take us back to the very beginning. When did everything start with you? Were you having symptoms? Take us back. Uh, 2004, I was self-examining in the shower as all men should, um, in my regular, and I found a lump on my right testicle about the size of a peanut M&M had gone from nothing the month before through to there, went straight to hospital, um, didn't have a, a GP, a general, general practitioner. Um, Did you go to the emergency room? Yeah, I went, I went, okay. I went, yeah. So I went to the, I went to A&E, um, accident emergency, didn't have a GP. Uh, he assessed me and diagnosed me as having an epididymal cyst, um, said it was nothing to worry about. Uh, if it was still there in a couple of months, I should pop back and see someone. Three months later, I went back to the GP because it hadn't got away and it got significantly worse, significantly larger. Um, and I went to see my GP and within... 10 seconds of examining me he said that's that's not a cyst that's testicular cancer um and referred me straight what? to work yeah he knew immediately and immediately within as i say what? 10 how 10, was it the, the how the, the, it the, felt yeah it touch? was it was um <laughs> i don't know how many testicles you felt um but so if you the test the testicle fit <laughs> sorry <laughs> I, you just snuck that in. That was I'm really, not, that was, that was, oh, you're funny. Okay. I got to watch that for you. So a, right, I, so a testicle feels sort of kiwi fruit-esque. Yeah. That sort of, that firmness. Yeah. Um, if you then imagine a kiwi fruit with a peanut M&M stuck on the side of it, that's how the, how it felt initially. So you, you quite obviously something wrong. It right, wasn't, okay. yeah. And then different by the time, texture. yeah, different texture, different feel. And by the time I went back a couple of months, three months later, it had gone from sort of peanut M&M size through to two, two walnuts size in their shells. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Tremendously. It, tremendously. Um, and yeah, he, he knew immediately what it was. Referred me to um, a urologist um, who took out the testicle. Um, the whole testicle the, gone. Yeah, gone. Right, right, right. Orchidectomy. Everything gone. Okay, wait. Um, I got to back up. How okay. old were you when this happened? I was twenty nine. Had you had any children yet? No. Were you no. concerned about that? Did it come up? Not with him. So the okay. uh, for, uh, um, fertility unaffected by one testicle. That's okay. fine. Fertility, no problem at all. Um, the first instance was to remove. Right. Get rid of the problem. Di 
and yes, it was very aggressive testicular cancer. They, they sent it off to biopsy, yeah. right. Okay. And then I was referred through, I found an oncologist who I've been with. I've been with the same oncologist now for 20 years. Um, yeah, I invited him to my wedding. Um, you know, it's that kind of... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was that kind of relationship. Um, and uh, yeah, so I saw him. And then at that point in time, pre-chemotherapy fertility was discussed. Um, okay. So, so I stored had some st had some sperm stored at that point in time, and then entered the chemotherapy process. So I had the orchidectomy, and then twelve weeks of chemotherapy. Um, but that three month window had cost me very localized cancer, very easily treatable, through to systemic lymph and lung. It had spread to your lymph nodes and lung. Yeah, yeah, I had thirty-two tumors. Um, so, oh so, uh, my god! So on a PET scan, I I looked like a Christmas tree. What? How did you feel when you got that diagnosis, knowing it had spread, knowing that you went to the hospital and asked about it? You were concerned. How how did you feel knowing that you? I mean, you kind of got brushed off, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I was misdiagnosed. I mean, ultimately, I was however, however you cut it, I was misdiagnosed. At the time, I was so in the process of being treated. Right. It was very difficult to be anything other than shocked and angry, and and I don't think really the ramifications of being misdiagnosed hit me until my relapse my first relapse because that first relapse after this treatment was because it had spread. Yeah. Okay. I want to back up and ask more about that. So prior to it relapsing, hmm. how many rounds of chemotherapy did you do over what period of time? And what was that like for you? So I had what's called a BEP. So that's bleomycin, eptopicide and cisplatin. Um, chemotherapy. I had four rounds of three weeks. So I did a twelve-week routine, days one to five, in hospital on intravenous drip for the for the five days, and then day. And I'll get this slightly wrong, but I won't be a million miles away. Day nine and day fifteen, a bleomycin um, injection or infusion, depending on where it was. Wow. And then on day twenty-one, I go back into hospital to repeat it all again. I did that four times. Cis platinum's one of the brutal ones. Yeah, it was. How did it you was, handle it? Um, at the time, really well. I have to say, I was. I lost a lot of weight. Um, I lost a kilo a week for twelve weeks. Um, oh, couldn't eat, and I, but to be fair, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's weird. I don't. I don't. So I'm a motivational speaker now. It's what I do for a living, I tell stories and I, I, I inspire people. It's great. It's fine. It's a wonderful job but I don't often reflect on that period of my life because it's actually quite uncomfortable. But I remember driving along and I, I don't have a lot of hair, right? I didn't have a lot then and I have even okay. less now. Um, <laughs> chemotherapy absolutely killed it off. But I remember clearly being sat in the car driving and doing this with my stubble and all the stubble, the little, the little out. came out of my hand. Just and I came out. I remember walking around the garden, pulling out my chest hair and just, just, and I shaved my head in, in person because I wanted to have some, some control. Um, 
but I think really I have I have a warped sense of what is acceptable and what and what's good and what's not. For me, it was awful and I wouldn't want to do it again. And I cried and there were moments of real sadness, but the chemotherapy was manageable. It wasn't it wasn't the end of days. It was it was unpleasant and it was difficult and it wasn't nice, obviously, but you get through it. You just right. you do what you need to do and you, you get through it. The, I mean, the weight loss and the the, the the spots from the steroids and the hair loss and the, the, the associated smells and fluid balance and measuring your, my, my oncologist was borderline obsessed with fluid balance. It's important. And so I was, I measured my, I, I peed into a, a, a measuring jug and recorded that every day for five days whilst in, in chemotherapy and it, things like that, just the little silly things that they, um, that's the sort of thing that I remember the most and they're not sleeping and the Zopiclone to sleep, to get, to get some sleeps and the Zopiclone dreams and that sort of thing. Okay. So, so many questions. Okay. I, I got to think Go where on. to start. <laughs> no, you just brought so many interesting roads we can go down. Um, well, first I want to say that I was the caregiver in my situation and I got so good at being able to just eyeball any glass, any jar, anything, and could tell you how many fluid ounces was in it. I could uh -huh. tell you because I was so, I was keeping track of the fluid. I was doing all that. So, um, but I do want to ask, so why did you have trouble sleeping? And then tell us about these dreams when you were given something to sleep. So tell us first, why did you have trouble sleeping? Genuinely, because I wasn't doing anything. I'm, I've, I've always been pretty active. Okay. Um, and I was, I, I was a private patient. So I was very fortunate. I was, I was private. So, but so I was in a room by myself and I, my mind just gets, and I got bored and I just, you know, you're lying there doing nothing for 23 hours a day. I'm like, oh, well, God. I'm like, well, I don't quite know what to, so, you know, there's not a lot of difference between being asleep and being awake and dozing because you're on so many, so much medication. And now's the time to go to bed. And the only reason you really know it's bedtime is it's dark. <laughs> Well, there is something to be said for circadian rhythms, right? So, so I'm just some sort of lying there, and so you go to sleep, and you you, you get yourself, you clean your teeth, and you, you sort of you have you you put your night t-shirt on over the top of your your, your intravenous drip. <laughs> I love it. And so you get into bed, and it's like, well, you lie there, and I don't sleep. So I'm like, can mm. I have something to help me sleep? I've got heartburn, or I'm you know I'm just hot, or I'm cold, or I've got knee, I've got joint pain from some of the drugs. So they give they just don't give you Zopiclone, which is, I don't know if it's a US sleeping drug as well, but yeah, it's just to help you go to sleep. I don't think so. Is that the brand name? Uh, yes. Um, and oh, yeah, I don't know. the most lucid dreams. I mean, genuinely, like you could touch and taste your colors in the dreams, but quite off-putting after five days in a row, but yeah. <laughs> Did you write these dreams down? Oh no, some of them were not fit for consumption. I have to tell you now. <laughs> that doesn't mean anybody else needs to read them. Just... No, I, there's, it's, it's good and bad though. I mean, some of the stuff. I mean, I, I you know, I could, you can have the most vivid dreams of not nice things, not nightmares. But I, mean, I had a I, I when I dream now, I dream heavily. And I took, when I can't sleep now, I take Pyroton, which is um, uh, a hay fever medication. Mm. 
but it absolutely knocks me out. Is it histamine? Is that yeah. why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it absolutely knocks me out. And um, I had a dream the day that the front of my house was falling off. And I woke up at sort of five o'clock in the morning and I could I could tell you now where I was standing, the size of the gap in the wall, everything. Unbelievably vivid. Not a nightmare, but yeah, so I dream. I, I try not to dream. <laughs> You're telling this. I, I'm a very vivid dreamer. Have been since childhood. Oh, like, it's just, yeah. So it's exhausting. It is exhausting. It is. So Jonathan... Tell us about the first relapse. Like how much time did you have where there seemed to be no evidence of disease to when the relapse occurred? Three years. Oh, wow. Three years. So, so, so for context, just to help this, help you frame this. So I was initially diagnosed in 2004. Mm -hmm. I've then had, um, relapsed in 2007, 2013. 2016, 2018, and in 2017, I developed a different cancer. Oh my gosh. Okay. Initial diagnosis, four relapses and a fifth cancer and a, and a second different. Yeah. How did you know on the relapse? How did you Rout- know it was back? Routine check. Routine check. R- routine check. So um, the, the the protein marker to look for for me is either AFP, alpha feta protein, or HCG, which is ironically the same, is the pregnancy hormone as well. Um, but AFP is my critical marker. Um, and I didn't that's, know that for testicular cancer. I knew it for liver cancer. That's yeah, interesting. So AFP is the one. Interestingly, the first relapse, 2007, my AFP was perfectly normal. Um, but the routine CT scan found a mass on my left lung. Oh my God. Um, so I had what's called a rhabdomyosarcoma removed via a lateral thoracotomy on my left lung. Wait, so, is this the other cancer? Because that's a soft tissue no, no, cancer. No, that's, 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 uh, that's the, that's the first relapse of the first cancer but relapsed in that form because it's it's as you're right so there's it's soft tissue it's, yeah, yeah but because it's, it has germ cell origins as well so it's teeth hair da, 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 it can stem from a testicular cancer oh interesting i'm, I'm unlucky i'm unlucky but yeah it's, it's unusual but it's possible okay and so um and so what did you have to do for the relapse so that was that's called a lateral thoracotomy so that was an incision from sort of here mid chest through to upper back open me up crack my ribs open take the tumor out um it's about the size of a lacrosse ball um, that does not help me softball baseball so, <laughs> so, uh, softball softball okay softball. So, um, huge. in and, other words huge yeah um, and they took out sort of a sliver section out of my bottom of my left lung stitched me back up and i was i was in remission again Wait, so no chemo this time? No chemo, no. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Clear clear margins, yeah. Um, Stitch me back up, no chemotherapy. And then I went five years, give or take, with no evidence of disease. And then in 2012, my alpha-fetoprotein AFP level started rising again. Um, And so I knew I was ill. 
Yeah. Uh, but we had to wait until mid 2013 for it to be for the cancer to be large enough to be seen on a scan to treat. Um, so in 2013, I had a retroperitoneal lymph node dissection to remove 47 lymph nodes. From, not not all of them were cancerous. Not all of them were cancerous. Wow, but that's a but, lot. So they, so they took out all the lymph nodes below belly button to groin, basically. Okay. Both sides. And uh, sorry, if you mean, do you know what an RPL, retroperitoneal lymph node dissection is? Incision. I figured it out from just yeah. what you said. Yeah. <laughs> it, basically, as an incision from sternum to groin all the way down, they take everything out, um, take the lymph nodes out, and then put everything back in. Um, and that's that's seven and a half hour, eight hour surgery, Oof. two surgeons, two anesthetists, intensive care, six days in hospital. Um, and and I w- you were clear? I, I was clear again. Okay. And how long did that last? Two years. And so it came, came back again. 2016, I had the exact same surgery. The, the exact same. The surgery you yep. just described? Yep. I had it again. Did they find um, it more lymph nodes? Yeah. They took out another lymph node plate on the left-hand side up to my left kidney. They took all of those out. So slightly shorter surgery. Um, and then I've moved from remission now to no evidence of disease. So I, it's a, I'll never hear you're in remission. Um, that, 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 that's just, that ship sailed for me. So now I just hope, I just look for, there's no evidence of disease in your, in your body. So at that point in time, I had no evidence of disease, clear margins, AFP level normal. Um, and then my blood work, I didn't make it a year until my blood level started to rise again. Um, and then whilst we were looking for the cancer, mm-hmm. um, in my PET scan, the PET scan showed, uh, illumination in my bowel. So I went for a colonoscopy mm-hmm. and they found Had you a... ever had a colonoscopy? No, before? no, this okay, is a you know. whole, whole new world of fun. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, they found, um, a very early stage bowel cancer, um, so we had that one out just through the actually in the colonoscopy itself so they took it out there and then but, yeah that was done uh still couldn't find the original cancer that I was looking for um and they found that about a month and a half two months later in january 2018 started chemotherapy for um that cancer um it was 12 weeks again and it was the bigger brother of the BEP chemotherapy and called TCP, but effectively platinum again. I had cisplatin, had had cisplatin again, and this one was a lot harder, older, less. Did it affect your hearing at all? Yeah, the cisplatin. Yeah, so I have tin- I have some tinnitus and hearing loss, not not a lot, not a lot. Okay. I have to say, got away very lightly. Um, quite a lot of neuropathy in my feet and hands, um, and just general, my body hurts. <laughs> <laughs> just generally, just it just feels hard. It just feels tired. But my tumor became platinum resistant, so I finished the chemotherapy. And the uh, the AFP marker had come from, 
thousand down to about 50 but it should be around 10 right and it just it had become platinum resistant so then it started rising very quickly so i went in for surgery um and they took out my kidney my left kidney and my spleen ruptured during the surgery because of all the chemotherapy makes me sticky did adhesions so i had i lost my kidney and my spleen four plants of blood uh but clear margin again no evidence disease and up to next week when my blood test next blood test is i have no evidence disease since then oh thank goodness so that this i'm just about the longest i've ever been without cancer wow now sometime in here you got married Mm -hmm, i did when did you get married 2012 and how did you have that conversation um my wife was with me we were very so we got together in the november of 2006 and i had my first relapse in 2007 so she's been with me for the whole process she has been absolutely she's been with me for the whole process wow and you did end up having children two two little beautiful girls who, who are absolutely everything to me um uh via ivf you did okay yeah very funny story and I, so i talk a lot about the universities and out to get you right i i i make a i've made it i made quite a successful living about talking to companies and people and one of the things i talk about is the universe isn't out to get you and i tell some stories that, about I this i like that yeah and i tell some stories about this i mean i had a skydiving thing and i won't if you've got time, I'll tell you, but, um, but one of the things is, so I, I had my, I stole some sperm pre-chemotherapy. Right. So smart. At my doctor's, at my oncologist's suggestion. Um, and we started trying for children and nothing was happening. So we thought, right, let's go and get a sperm test. It's not what we're doing with, go get your facility tested. So it turns out didn't need to have any stored. My sperm was absolutely perfect. Chemotherapy hadn't affected it at all. Wow. Um, and then I had the surgery in 2013, the retroperitoneal lymph node dissection. There's a 7% chance during that surgery <laughs> that the ejaculatory nerve may be severed. Oh my gosh. 7%. So 7,100 or, or me. And that's what happened. So I have perfectly functioning sperm, but I couldn't get at them. Wow. Wait, so so did you end up using the bank sperm? Yeah, so I ended up using the bank sperm, but not for the reason oh. that, that, yeah. So both the girls were born via ICSI. Um, and yeah, two perfect, two perfect little girls. How old are they now? One is eight and one is five. Oh gosh. Six, really six, in, six in two weeks. Oh, well, that's very important. It is I'm for her. It's reminding huge, yeah. you. Yeah. For her, it is hugely important. Jonathan, what was your worst moment in all of it? I'm not, I don't want to sound dramatic. I don't have one worst moments. The the last 20 years has been a collection of, excuse the expression, shit shows. Um, and it's, it's to also get to also, to also say that there's been a worst moment. 
gives what I've been through more power over me than I want it to have. Mm. Um, you know, okay. none of it, none of it's been good. Don't get me wrong. But the flip side of that is I lead an authentic, vibrant life. I have a beautiful family. I yeah. tell my story to thousands of people a year. It pays me to live. I'm running a marathon on every continent. Um, I'm living a life that most people could only dream of. And so I've, I'm not in a position to say that my life's been hard. Sorry, that's a stupid thing to say. My life has been hard. I'm not in a position to say it's bad. The I'm bit, glad the, you own that, by the way. The bit, the bit that, the bit that bothers me, and I suppose would be harder, is the prospect of dying and leaving my children. Yeah. That's if you said what's the bit that worries me. It's that. Yeah. Pure and simple. It is. It do, is. Do they have any understanding of your health problems, especially the older one? Uh, the older one has just started to understand. She knows I've had cancer because it comes you hear an advert or you see it on television but she has no frame of reference on what that looks like she's seen my scars you know she she knows daddy's been ill but we've never been that um explicit uh, descriptive right. explanatory I, I can't see the need right at this moment in time sure. I, I just, there's yeah. no i can't see the benefit to explain it to she, yeah it's not a word we steer away from Right. But at the same time, she doesn't need to know right now. And the five-year-old, yeah. the five-year-old is just, she's, she's too busy staring at a shadow or a I did a ponytail. I did a ponytail today. Um, and she, she spent like, a, she spent 30 minutes the way to school doing this with a ponytail. I don't think she's, she, she's not bothered. She's just this. <laughs> okay. I want to describe for people who are listening and not watching you. You're like, you're kind of like head slamming your yeah. head, right? Yeah. Like kind of like 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 if you were listening to metal music. So yeah. she was flipping her Tony her ponytail into her face. Hours, just <laughs> up and down, up and down. That I mean, genuinely, she, the, the, her name's Stella, and oh, the, they could great name. They great so name. It's Dar So I have Darcy and Stella. Um, they they couldn't be more different. Darcy is conscientious and and committed and per perseveres at everything she's determined and you know stella is absolutely the opposite she's bright i'm frighteningly clever kid i mean frighteningly clever but sure as hell beats to the dances to the beat of her, her own drum i think is the best but i have never i love that i have never laughed as much in, in probably 49 years i have as i have with stella um and, and you you know we spent some time together. One thing is, I will absolutely get the best out of this life. And I have no fear about what anyone thinks of me because I will lead the way, live my life the way I want to. And we had some ice last year. And I, so I dropped Darcy off at school and I, and I was walking to school with Stella. And we got out of the car and I slipped and didn't fall over, but I slipped. And she got out of the car and she slipped. And we looked at each other and we started laughing. And I mean, and I mean, properly, properly belly, <laughs> belly laughing. And she's got the most infectious giggle. And there's all these people walking past us and we are taking two steps and slipping and laughing. And <laughs> it, honestly, if, if I died tomorrow, that would probably be one of my favorite and best memories in my life. And I've done a lot of stuff. 
just that laughing with my daughter on the way to school and everyone staring at us couldn't work out why I think why we were laughing so hard. Oh, so, what a great story. What a great story. I, I love, I love kids and I love them when they're still that age. Cause around eight or nine is when they start to change. Like yeah, around you, eight or nine, you can, they, you can see it. You can, you can see, see it. it. Yeah. They realize they realize there's all this social stuff. There's like, you see that transition and, and, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's just not as much fun. <laughs> they get tainted by the world. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the innocence drops away and the little baby voice drops away and the mannerisms. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. I, hate, I hate it, but it's inevitable. It is inevitable. Um, so Jonathan, what is one thing that you wish you had known at the very beginning when you were diagnosed properly oh i was about to say get a second opinion um, yes um what's the one thing i wish i'd known upon initial diagnosis of correct diagnosis um this will be harder than you think it's going to be yeah i have had two uh, breast cancer survivors who said they thought they knew what they were getting into because family members, you know, it wasn't their first rodeo, but they had never been the patient. Mm. And they both said, I wish I had known it was a slog. Like this is. It's the, it's the relentlessness of it. Yeah. Treatment is in some ways, treatment's actually manageable. Do you know what I mean? It's you're yeah. in it. You're in the process. It's the blood test. It's the going to hospital. It's the waiting. The waiting is the work. You know, the waiting for results. The waiting. You know, my blood test takes seven days to process to get what? through. What for yeah. AFP? Yeah, it shouldn't take that long. No, I, but... tell tell me about it. Um, <laughs> but you know, it. So, but it, it's that waiting, and that there's a so much waiting in cancer treatment. Um, necessary don't get me i'm not i'm not i'm not saying the health service is delayed but there's just you just have to wait and then in my situation i've spent a lot of time waiting to get ill waiting Mm. to find out if it's treatable so yeah i think it's going to be harder than you can possibly imagine get ready to be wait get ready to wait and it'll be all right in the end whatever hurry up and wait right Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 What about, you know, you are in the UK. So if you could only do one thing to improve healthcare there where you live, what would it be and why? I don't, I don't know what you know about the UK healthcare system. So we, we I, have... I know what people have told me that, that I've interviewed. And of course I read a lot, but I kind of trust the people I interview more. So, so we have, we have the NHS, which is the most incredible free at point of service healthcare system you know you can go in for a liver transplant and have all the associated care afterwards for years and not cost you a penny and i think that for me is the most magnificent system but is currently being underfunded and run into the ground in a deliberate attempt to put to add privatization into the mix to make some rich people richer. I did. I didn't know that. Hmm. I, I didn't know that that's what was currently there, going on. There is a there's a, there is a willful and structural um, downgrading and 
and underfunding and starving of resource to make it less viable and less appealing. Um, you see the papers. That, so we have doctors on strike, nurses on strike, ambulance workers on strike over pay. They have my full support. Absolutely, I've been looked after by all of those people. They have my full support. Um, and it's and the, you can even see the narrative in the papers and the journal and, and the reporting about it now, starting to paint them as being work shy or money hungry. Um, and it's a deliberate attempt to discredit those those stakeholders. Yeah. Um, and what would I change about it? I would have ring fenced. I would ring fence money for the NHS now. Um, and I would make it. What does that mean? Lock, lock it down. So I, so I, so no, so I would, I would ensure regardless of government or political party in power at the time that money for the NHS was there, was resourced, was budgeted for and was untouchable. Um, untouchable that's really key um i wouldn't I, I don't get me wrong i don't believe the nhs is perfect i think there is waste i think there's mismanagement but i think the clinical work they do is a thing of beauty and to see that sacrifice so some rich people can get richer um yeah people will hold so you'll hear some politicians in the uk holding up the u.s um, insurance-based medical system as a as the way we should be going um, and I, I cannot comprehend how going bankrupt to have a child um, or paying $190 for a vial of insulin when we can get it free is a progressive step I yeah. don't so that's that that's what I would do differently okay are you ready for the Thriver rapid fire? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. All right. I love it. Love it. Love the enthusiasm. Beach, desert, or mountains? Oh, hard. Just come back from Dubai in the desert, not going there, rode a camel, thought I had prostate cancer afterwards because camels are so, <laughs> camels are so big, I literally ended up being very numb in this area because i was like straddling no. this camp yeah so genuinely thought i'd have to go see my oncologist about a different illness um not even joking um so beach or mountain oh mountain <laughs> that's like the best explanation i've ever heard for not choosing desert by the way <laughs> uh, beach boys beetles or rolling stones beach boys easy oh me too me too what is one word that best describes you? Resilient. Before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? Ooh. The Gambler, Kenny Rogers. <laughs> I love it. What about the last meal you want to eat? Uh, don't actually really don't really care. Since since the since I took my lost my spleen, I'm on antibiotics for life. It's made me lack. You, made, mm. you are. So I take two antibiotics every day. Um, but they've made me allergic to dairy. Oh sure, they can screw up your system. They so can. so all the fun things in my life that I used to enjoy eating, I can't eat. So like I haven't had cheese for three years. 
Oh, that sucks. Uh, I, I, I do this great thing in my, in my talks. I'm like, six cancers, made redundant five times, PTSD, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, can't eat cheese. <laughs> which, and I ask the audience, which one's the worst on that list? And everyone says exactly the same thing. Can't Pity eat cheese. Tea. Yes. Because <laughs> even if you're lactose intolerant, which I am, I forget why, but it's the way cheese is made. Most of the time you can have a little bit of cheese and, you know, small bites and certain kinds of cheese are much easier than others, but, but, you know, can't have milk. Oh, no, I yeah. would, I would be literally, you'd be able to watch my stomach bloat. So actually, oh actually last meal before I die, then actually probably a cheeseburger because <laughs> Who who cares who cares how much how much pain I'm in? That's I'll right. Because I'll be dead. It's fine. You'll be gone. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Uh, that would be me. Ice cream. Ice cream. <gasps> really? See, they I do some, love ice cream. They do some really good dairy free ice cream now. So I'm quite. Yeah, Ben and Jerry's do some really good dairy free ice cream. No, really. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, I might check it out on your recommendation. <laughs> what about the last person or people you want to see? See, that's hard because immediately I'd say my children, my girls and my family. But do you actually want them to see you on your deathbed? So it's hard. I'd, I'll go with the girls. I'll go with my family because actually that's who I want to be with me. But, yeah, depends how well I, how well I looked. What about the last words you will speak? Love you all. And aside from Cancer U, what's one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And please tell people how they can get in touch with you. I like the charities. I like the organizations that work with specific cancers. Um, so my oncologist started a charity called UCARE, which is for urological cancers based in the UK. He's an expert in kidney, testicular, prostate and bladder cancer. Um, he's a professor in that. So I, I, I would recommend their, their website, you care, uh, you, would you send that to me? So we yeah, of course I can. Um, and me, uh, my best one is in my Instagram and that's at Jonathan J O N A T H A N underscore ACOT A C O T T underscore motivation. All right. Well, thank you so much. We will put that in the show notes and I'm going to start following you on Instagram. Wonderful. Funny. So uh, thank you for, for coming on. And Andrew, it's been, been my absolute pleasure. Story. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories, true stories 